What is up, guys? Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. What I'm going to be doing with this show is actually showing you guys what exactly you need to look for prior to buying, building, selling, or even renting a home. I'm going to bring in some of the top people in the industry so we can dive deeper into discussion about these topics and really give you guys the tools you need to learn and know prior to making one of the biggest purchases of your lifetime. So with that being said, guys, welcome to The Real Build. What is up, guys? Bill Ryman, your broker builder. And I wanted to take a minute to thank each and every one of my listeners because we are on episode 100. That is right. We've made it 100 episodes, which is crazy, but I wouldn't be able to do it without my listeners. So I just wanted to thank each and every one of you that continues to support this show and also share it with your friends and family. And if you haven't shared it with your friends and family, please do so because that's all I ask for. I don't advertise, as you all know. I just want to deliver as much value as possible. So, hey, let's do it for another 100 episodes. Hopefully we deliver just as much value in the next 100. But what what a celebration. I can't believe we've made it this far. We've had some great guests. And if you're past guests listening to this, I truly, truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support and you coming on the show. And for future guests, I cannot wait to interview some more people and get them on the show so people can listen to their stories and how they are doing both construction and real estate the right way. With that being said, guys, Enjoy episode 100. I'm honored to release it. It's with an architect, a friend of mine, Chris Colby. I was actually on his podcast and uh, he, he's returning the favor and being on, being on my podcast. I was yet to have an architect, Don, believe it or not. I've hit every topic you could imagine, but I was excited to have an architect on because they literally are the start of every custom home. They are such a key piece to the build process and how smooth the build process goes. So we get into that a little bit. But guys, 100 episodes. Thank you guys and girls for listening. I love the support. Let's continue to grow this thing. Continue to support this and share it. Enjoy episode 100. Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. And today I have a special guest coming from Columbia, South Carolina. He has over 20 plus years of diverse experience in design, planning, project management, and client development. His expertise is in the field of K-12 education facilities and commercial buildings. And he's also done a little bit of residential architecture as well. He has worked on numerous architecture projects throughout his career of all sizes and budgets and has managed and provided documentation of multi-phase and multi-building projects. His experience in project management, construction practices, and the Wix law bidding process will prove to be an exceptional addition to any project, a true advocate for new ideas and innovation. He is a passionate about K-12 design, outfitting our students with spaces for learning and exploration. He is on the leading edge when it comes to designing flexible space for small group instruction and individualized learning. 
specialties can include architecture, design, project management, net zero energy buildings, eco-friendly buildings, planning, commercial, and municipal property planning and better school design. Mouthful right there. Chris Colby, welcome to The Real Build. Happy to have you on, brother. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, no pressure, man. Like we talked about, you're my first architect on this show. Believe it or not, I have had every probably little niche in the construction industry on. I've had real estate, mortgage professionals, you name it, even closet designers. You, uh, um, it's a privilege to have you. I finally got my architect on here. So we're going to talk about that today a little bit. So thank you for that. Um, What I always like to get started with, obviously, is your background. So who is Chris Colby? Yeah, so uh, (laughs) that's a loaded question. but uh, (laughs) (laughs) It always is. So obviously I'm an architect, uh, 20, 21 years now in, in the industry uh, designing. A lot of that has been K-12 schools. So um, I had a, a stint. Uh, so let me back up. So I started out in the, in the industry, uh, got out of college and went right into um, designing schools. Uh, did that for a number of years and then um, decided, hey, I can run a business. So I'm going to go out on my own. And uh, like most entrepreneurs, you do that with a lot of blind faith. Um, I did it um, about six months after I had my first child and about a year before uh, 2008 uh, happened. So uh, it was I learned a lot really fast about what it means to be one, a new father and two, an entrepreneur during a a major downturn, uh, which really didn't impact me until like 2010. and did a bunch of uh, a lot of I had the opportunity to do a lot of great work during that downturn in the economy, uh, both uh, in <clears throat> residential, light commercial, uh, even did a bunch of apartments on um, apartment rehab and design on uh, Park Avenue in New York City um, for on the residential side. Um, and then I jumped back into uh, where I'm at now uh, as a principal at CPL architects and engineers doing K-12 school design up and down the East Coast. Uh, So basically Georgia, the Carolinas, and up into New York. Um, So that's the condensed version of uh, my architecture path uh, in in architecture construction. Uh, There's there's been stints in there in real estate development, uh, buy and hold, uh, you know, real estate rental units, some flips, some wholesaling. So pretty much anything that has to do with building or business or architecture, um, I, I do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's awesome right there too, because actually that's one of you know the questions I wanted to ask you later on too is, you know, I, I personally, from experience, there isn't a lot of architects out there that actually have experience out in the field you know, Mm -hmm. and actually have actual construction experience. I mean, you guys do phenomenal job of getting stuff on the plans and drawing your idea and helping kind of resonate that design. But like actually having the construction experience behind that, that has to say a lot for yourself too, into that pathway into architecture. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly helps um, on the job site, right? You have a better understanding of what's going on. You have a better understanding of what it means to get materials to the site, 
all the problems that go in, all the coordination that goes into running a project. Um, so I dealt with that on, you know, the development side and running my own rental properties and, and building them um, and, re- and renovating them. All of a sudden I became a contractor uh, okay. overnight. So uh, learned the hard way. But on the other side of that, I've done a lot of project management too um, of these multi, multi-million dollar school projects. And I've I've been, in addition to the designer, I've also been the construction administrator on site. And that's where I've always learned the most, you know, being thrown in the middle of, um, I think the first project, I I don't know how this ever really happened. I think uh, the firm I was working for had a lot of blind faith in me. Uh, But, you know, two years into work, not even two years into working uh, with this firm, they put me on a $67 million project of eight wow. schools being constructed at one time. And they said, all right, go out in the field and manage this. And um, so it was a really, really interesting experience because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, even though I thought I did. You know, I was a couple of years out of college, had, a, you know, worked on a few, designed a few schools, but never been on the site. And, uh, you know, you, you learn really quickly when there's, uh, you know, a table full of contractors and your client, you know, sitting, sitting at a project meeting and they're, all, they're looking at you for answers. And to make uh, matters even worse, you know, this is in the public space, public construction. So the, the bid process is a little different than private Um which I won't bore everybody with, but it's a more highly regulated sort of, um, you know, bidding process. There's a lot of law um, in, in related into it. And sometimes you have to take the lowest bid is where I'm going with this. So we ended up ha- having a contractor who theoretically wasn't qualified, but because of the bidding laws, we had to accept his bid, the GC. And uh, he had never built a school before. And this was the first project that I ever got to manage on site was the guy that had his portion of the, the work was like $24 million and he had never performed on a, a multi-site, multi-phase school project. And uh, he ended up getting defaulted. Um, the, the client defaulted him. Uh, they brought in the bonding company, the surety is basically like the insurance company. And they took over the project for him while he was still there. Meanwhile, they are liquidating his house and his car and all of his assets because he had lost so much money, not only on this project, but other projects. And so everything was a fight because this guy was, you know, it was like tooth and claw trying to make up for, you know, all the losses. And there was a high level of ignorance involved because they hadn't done that kind of work before. And that was the first project I ever managed. Wow. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I learned a lot on that. So I have a, I have a real, um, you know, deep respect for a good contractor that knows what they're doing. You can't value somebody like that enough to have them on your team. And, and I think a lot of people don't understand, you know, how much it takes to one design a building and then build it with all the moving parts going on. Well, going off of what you said there, because it is so important, and I always talk about this, is actually having a good team. And that doesn't mean just within, let's say, my office. You know, that means just between architecture, architect, contractor, designer, if you got an interior designer involved, mm-hmm. having that whole process of that team that works together, too, 
like I always refer to like the architect that I'm working with and the interior design firm that I'm working with as, you know, a, a giant construction brain of design and, and everybody is on the same page and it helps the client because we come up, you know, you just don't have just, you don't just have the builder involved. You have, you know, you're working with this, you're working with the architect on the initial design, the builders involved on that design process. And then we have a design firm and involved in that design process as well. So there's three heads right there helping with the client uh, make decisions and come up with that perfect house. You did a little bit of residential. You're obviously doing commercial and you're doing schools and everything too, but it's, that's so important having all that structure where everybody's on the same page. Absolutely. I, I, to me, there's two types of projects. There's one where everybody's on the same team in terms of the design and the construction professionals and then there's the other type of project, which is a, usually a disaster. It's where everybody's fighting with each other. It's the architect's fault. It's the contractor's fault. It's the designer's fault. It's the owner's fault. And uh, those, those projects never turn out well. So having a well-oiled team that knows how to communicate, how to work with each other, take the approach that we're all in the same boat trying to get the project done, you know, I think a lot of time people lose sight of what the goal is. You know, you have a client, you're trying to build something for that end user, whether it's a school or a house. And in between, there's all this jockeying for position. Who's the favorite child? Who's trying to make money? Who's trying to get a change order? Who's trying to, you know, get extra for design? And nobody wants to take responsibility for just getting the project done. And there's a big difference between those two types of projects. And I think that's why you see a lot of time when somebody finds a good contractor or a good architect where they gel well, you'll see that team work together a lot over mm-hmm. 10, 20 years because they know they can get a project done with, you know, minimal amount of frustration and hassle. And, and, it, and it turns out a better product as well, which is ultimately the goal of what you're trying to do. Yeah. And it's, it's like from the initial phase too, I like how I usually work. And this is what I tell people. And that's why I have this show because people that are listening, you know, I'm a custom home builder, you do custom design. So it's just, it's, it's starting that process with a great architect that, you know, that builder works very well with that, that architects can respond to the builder in a, in a timely manner too. Because the time matters as far as the architect side. Like with us, we have so many elements that go into these and and into these jobs. And like for example, today I had a client call me because I'm waiting on engineering, structural engineering on his job, and he's like, "Well, what's going on with the architect? That's is it his fault?" See, I defended my architect because he's part of my team, and I said, "You know, he has a structural engineer. He's out of town. Blah blah blah." You know, we need to give them some time, but this is how long it usually takes anyway. So it's all us meshing together, working together to help streamline that process, keep the customer at ease, have that trust between everybody as well. You know, then I got this design firm as well where I, I can call the owner. If I need something, he'll take care of it. If it, one of his interior designers is messing up on something, he handles it right away. So that's part of this team approach as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that 
that's phenomenal, uh, the, the, what you're saying right there. And, and I don't, you know, that's, that's the difference between a good team and a team that probably isn't going to be successful. Um, you said something there that I think is really critical that most people don't understand. We live in this world of HGTV, which I love watching with my <laughs> kids, mainly because it's like a comedy show to me because yeah. what happens on HGTV is not reality. So just because it's called reality TV does not mean that it's reality for those listening. But, um, you know, you said, oh, well, the, the architect needs to interact with the structural engineer and it normally takes this much time. Well, that's great communication because you're explaining what's going on. And, and then people start to get an idea, oh, it is going to take a week or two weeks to get those drawings back. There's a process, there's a back and forth. And, and that's, that's good communication. That's critical. And uh, I think, you know, the, the more any design professional is the contractor, the, the architect, the builder, whoever can take the time, you know, we're so busy in what we're doing it's difficult and we know it, but we don't take the time to stop and explain it to somebody that's third party to the process. And they don't know, you know, just like we wouldn't know, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a great example. Like I wouldn't know how to build a computer, right? You know, I, I, I go to Apple's website and I'm like, I want to order a computer and I want it to be here in 24 hours, you know, but there was a process for that computer to get designed, go through R&D, manufacturing, shipping, all that stuff. But, you know, I'm like, I, I just ordered my computer. Like, where is it? And so, you know, I, I try to I try to stay cognizant of that. And it sounds like you do too. I try to take a step back right, and put myself in the other person's shoes. What am I not telling them that they don't know? Yeah. And, and you, you got to take that approach. You, you mean to tell me that you can't, you know, design a whole house and build it within a 30 minute episode, right? You know, like HGTV. I tried, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, but that, you, you are right. I mean, it, it's people see what's on TV and they don't know really reality. And that's what we're doing right now is we're trying to teach them that as well. So I, what I actually want to kind of get started with, with you is, you know, Let's start with the hiring process as far as hiring an architect. We'll start there because obviously that's the initial phase. How do you recommend people go about it? Finding like, say they don't come to a specific builder mm -hmm. and they want to design a plan and then take it to a builder or take it to a few builders to get pricing. So let's start at that phase. Sure. So, I mean, every architect's a little different, mm -hmm. they, you know, it, they all have different personalities. They all have different design styles. I think usually where most people are going to start is finding a design style that you like. Um, highly recommend if you can get references from people you know. That's probably a good indicator, somebody that you can work with. Um, it's, it's usually what happens is people, oh, I like XYZ Architects design style, and they go with them. But that might not be the right architect for them <clears throat> because... That, that architect may or may not work well with them. Um, so I think, you know, obviously you want a house that fits your design style, start there. Go on, uh, you can go on house, you can Google, get references from people locally. I would talk to three to four architects, you know, honestly, that are in, in your area or maybe region. You might have to go outside your region to find somebody that 
fits, the, you know, the look, the aesthetic that you're going for, then I would take the time to talk to them, interview them. Um, you're probably going to come across the architect that'll sit with you for free. And you might come across the architect who's going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll meet with you and do a design session and you're going to pay me $500. A lot of times people shy away from that. I would say that's probably a good thing. It shows that your architect is, um, one, they have a, a sense of confidence about what they do, but they value themselves and their time. And, and that, to me, that's an indicator of somebody who's a, is going to do a good job because they, they value what they're doing. They, they see what they do brings value. It's, it's an art form in some ways. Um, but you really have to interview them and start a conversation. How do you work? How do you charge? Like, let them explain their process to you. We all as architects have a general sort of design process that we follow from sketching to schematic design through construction documents, but everybody's got their own flavor. So you should understand fully how they're going to do their job and they should be able to explain that to you. So you know what to expect. You know, I, I would be asking questions like how often are we going to meet? Um, am I going to see sketches every time we meet? Are you going to do hand sketches? Are you going to do 3D models? Are you just doing floor plans? You know, sometimes architects are just doing floor plans and elevations, but a client might need to see a 3D model to understand what the house looks like. Is that included in the fee? Sometimes it's not. It's extra. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Uh, are they flat fee or is there an hourly fee? Is it, are, you, are you basing your design fee on cost of construction? Or is it based on hourly? You know, some architects will do hourly in the beginning until the design's pinned down, and then they do it based on you know the cost of construction for the balance of it. Um, and the reason for that is in the beginning, you're going to be changing your mind as a client. I like this. I don't like that. Then it has to get redrawn. Then you have to meet again. So in the beginning, it's difficult for an architect to give a price, um, especially if you go to them with zero idea what you want which is usually the case, um, <laughs> speaking from experience. Like, so another tip here, when you go to your architect, try to have an idea of bring photos with you. Uh, if you have something they design that you like, say, hey, I like XYZ that you did on you know, Park Avenue. I like that one. Because the challenge that an architect has is they're trying to take what's in your head and suck it out of you somehow and you probably don't know what to say to them and they probably don't know what to ask you because architects are very visual visionary type people they're not psychologists so they're trying to they have to be a psychologist to figure out what you want and then get it on paper so that you can envision what what you you want to see built so it's a little bit of a process in the beginning but those would be some of the tips i would i would give you know Make sure you go to them with information. I like this. I don't like this. Even if it's a list of pros and cons or likes and don't likes, I like wood floors. I don't like carpet. You know, it sounds a little silly, but the, having that information is will make the, the, the back and forth a lot easier. 
I don't think that's silly at all because I, I actually like everything you just said was phenomenal. First of all, second of all, like definitely make a list. A list is a must. Uh, I always tell people that too when dealing with the architect I use is as detailed as much you know as much detail as possible that you can get. Walk through houses, look at what you want. You know, look online. There's plans online. Here's some reference sites you can go on and look at different you know, plans, uh, architects not going to use that exact plan because obviously architects draw plans or copywritten, but you know, you can take ideas and elements from plans too and so on. But I always, as much info that, that was the big one right there, as much info as you can get written down because you are right. I mean, a lot of people and you have to be play psychologist and, you know, <laughs> and a lot of people just, they come not knowing know exactly what they want but you can figure that out by kind of you know builders have model homes you can walk through to see where you want the study do you want to like with us too there's so many things and that's having a good builder involved along with that team uh having the architect because people ask my opinions all the time i do real estate as well but obviously we build a lot of houses a lot of custom homes so i know kind of resale i also know what works well, what blends well throughout the house and how it flows. I'm big on being symmetrical. You know, I've mm. dealt with the architects in the past that aren't very symmetrical. It drove me nuts. You know, I like everything lined up. I like the electrical all lined up. So it's, it, that was what you said right there was very, very good. So what about like during the, the actual phase, let's go into that a little bit. So they hire you, and now you're drawing plans obviously how many times do they go back and forth how should they expect that process to go you know do they get multiple changes because obviously i've dealt with people that have multiple changes because they can't think of them all at once and then i have the people that get them all done at once and then we move forward so how do you how do you address that yeah, I mean, I like to, and it, it varies by building type as well, but, yeah. you know, stick with residential for a minute. Like, I, you should expect in the beginning phases to have a lot of back and forth with your architect, a lot. Um, they're going to, they, they need a lot of information from you. They're going to design it, then they're going to present it to you, and you're going to be like, yes or yay or nay, you know. Um, as you move through the the design phase, that should lighten up a little bit. But, you know, I always recommend, like, once you get past schematic design, you're getting into uh, design development or even closer to uh, construction documents, I like to have a builder on board. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, that interaction, now you're bringing the builder in. How much is this material compared to this material? And it, it alleviates a lot of issues on your end, uh, you know, on the builder's end, once you get out in the field um, mm-hmm. and change orders and paperwork and back and forth. So the more direct interaction you can have in the beginning of the process and even throughout the design phases, I, I think the better. And I, as a client, I think you should expect that. And that's really something you should work out with your architect in the beginning, like, are we meeting bi-weekly? Are we, you know, every time we meet is the builder coming and are we going to meet on site eventually and talk about this stuff? Um, I mean, everybody t- talks about these things and oh yeah, we're going to communicate and then nobody ever does. Like you should really have it laid out in the beginning. What does this look like? So 
to me, I think, you know, how many times varies? Are you building a 2,000 square foot house or a 10,000 square foot house? It's going to make a difference. Uh, the bigger, the more complex the project, the more you should be needing. I agree with you too, because obviously getting, we go back to that team effort to getting the builder involved. So the builder sees the plan, having them in constant communication with the architect. I do it all the time. I take a red pen and I mark the heck out of plans and, and then I'll send it to the client. I'll say, what do you think about this? And he'll be like, yes, I love all your stuff forwarded to the architect. And then it just helps too, because but it's also setting the expectation. I talk about this all the time, but it's throughout my process, your process too, because we want to get as much on that one change as possible. So we're not going so many times back and forth with you on my end because that delays you and me knowing, you know, business and you're busy, you know, you don't want to be changing a door at the one time and then you got to go back and move the sink and then you got to go back and move a wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know this, but like on the other end of it, when, when you're doing all these little changes piecemeal, things are going to get missed. Yeah. So that, this is where everybody, and this is where the architect needs to, or a builder even needs to, in the beginning, say, hey, the more we chop this thing up and, and, the, and the more times we have these little tiny changes, the likelihood of something getting missed by the team is going to happen. And so let's, let's get it as, as reduce those situations as much as possible because then what happens on the back end? Oh well, we moved the door, but we forgot that the header size had to change because of the location in the wall. And then, well, now it's a change order. It's a delay in the field, and and then everybody gets pissed off. So, <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I mean by like raw direct communication in the beginning. Like, you have to have enough professional sense to sit with your client and say, hey, we need. If we're going to do 25 little changes this week, there's going to be a problem. So let's meet once. Let's get the builder here. Let's sit down together face-to-face. Let's redline the drawings and get it all out of the way now. And the other part of this, too, is let's bring the designer in and make this even more heads going in this process as well, because a designer is always going to add their elements to it, too. Now it's the extent the architect wants, like... For example, my architect may not design cabinets and all that stuff. I have a designer that has their own CAD department that handles all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're bringing all these elements into a home, the initial drawings, and then you have the actual CAD for the design elements and ceiling details and so on. That's an important part to our stuff because trusses, all that. We need to yeah. know how to build down ceilings. So let's talk about design elements, hitting that, how important that is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's another, uh, it's just another layer of mm-hmm. communication going back and forth. But, you know, I've seen stuff, and I'm sure you have too, where um, a designer's made a change with a client. I'm just going to use something that comes to mind. And we're going to make the island in the kitchen bigger, and we're going to add granite to it, and we're changing all the, you know, we're going to go from ceramic to travertine and we don't tell anybody or we wait to the last minute to do this, right? All the drawings are drawn up, the tr- the floor trusses have been designed and 
the sets at the building department waiting to get a permit and likely the the builders ordered trusses but now there's been 2,000 pounds added to the middle of this kitchen and uh, this way yeah, I'm thinking of something in particular it wasn't one of my projects but I have a structural engineer I work with and he he got called in to kind of like figure out what was going on with this house because the floor system was bouncy and the floor tile was cracking and there's all these issues. Well, when the island got expanded, it was kind of like a last minute field change. It got four feet longer with a thicker slab of granite on the floor tile change and all this weight was added. So I guess where I'm going with this is a, a, a long way to answer your question, but it's communication, right? A lot of times, you know, a designer and the, and the client will have a vision and that vision isn't communicated to everybody else and these changes happen in the field. Or it could be, you know, the other way around. I don't want to put it all on a designer or a client, but, you know, architect and builder could decide to move something for structural reasons, right? Oh, we're going to move this so we don't have to move this column, right? But now the window's in the wrong spot. The client had an idea that they're going to have a view out of this window and it's moved four feet. So it, it sounds ridiculous and it's arduous to be like, all right, let's go back and check with the builder and the architect and the client and the designer. And maybe we should check with the structural engineer too, because now this uh, island's four feet wider, whatever the case may be. And um, the more people you add, the more layers of complexity you add and the more likelihood that something could go wrong or not get communicated or get miscommunicated. So, you know, somebody has to take charge of the project. Um, and it's difficult to identify who that is because depending on how the contracts are set up and depending on who the players are in the type of project, who's managing all this? You know, on the, my bigger projects, you know, these multi-million dollar schools, we have construction managers. So they're theoretically responsible for handling all the communication. Um, but who who does that on a smaller project? And usually there's not enough money or the client doesn't want to pay for a CM or, you know, nobody's appointing the builder or the architect as the, the lead on all this. So that's how something gets missed. Well, going kind of off of what you said there, too, I mean, the more layers you have into the actual drawings, the better. And you touched on this earlier, too. The more detail, the better. I'm big on detail on our drawings because that's how you don't miss anything. I mean, all, everything from the ceiling details to, you know, we're adding drapery pockets, which goes into the truss system. And then you're going into kind of the cabinet lengths and heights. And then you're going, there's just so many elements to plans that are important that a lot of people do not add in that they don't think about and which helps us too. Yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive. You get what you pay for in architecture, just like you do in a builder. You know, there's architects I've dealt with that the plans are very simple, basic. A lot of stuff is missed and we have to determine it out in the field versus mm -hmm. I have an architect now that's very detailed, uh, watches, watches how he draws things, basically makes sure everything's to code. So, you know, we've dealt with that as builders too, where here's an example. 
Uh, we have something called an impervious amount where we're only allowed to have a certain, we have to have a certain amount of green space versus paver areas. Well, one architect put a bunch of pavers everywhere, didn't calculate the paver pad that was down by the water into the pervious. Had to tell the client we couldn't do it. There's no possible way to do it. Client was very upset about it. That little thing right there upset the client. Guess who had to deal with it because the architect didn't put it on the plan. Yeah. Detail. Yeah. <laughs> you said something really important there and a lot of people and I, depending on what the situation is, uh, you know, well, why do I have to pay the architect 8%, 10%, 12%, 15% of the cost of construction sometimes? Well, that's a perfect reason why. Um, and there's, we could probably talk about this for hours and hours. Yeah. <laughs> and on the other side, it's the same thing with the builder, right? You want a builder. I mean, to me, when I look at something and, and maybe, maybe this is something wrong with me, like when I go to shopping for something, especially professional service, I'm like, I don't know. I don't want the cheapest guy mm-hmm. because to me, I, I know what it takes to do a professional job, whether you're an attorney, an architect, a builder, designer, and these things take time, you know, like there's a reason you can go on uh, legal zoom and buy uh, a contract on there for, you know, $99. It's pff, nobody's looked at it. It's not <laughs> custom to your situation. So do you want a $99 builder or a $99 architect who is, you know, everybody's got to make money. And, um, at the end of the day, uh, if you're getting paid less, you're probably trying to figure out how you can cut corners. Now, Granted, you know, the longer you've been in the industry, you know stuff that because of your experience, you're like, oh, I can, I, I, I already can see around the corner here and I, I can adjust drawings and course accordingly in the beginning and save some time. But now you're paying for experience too. So mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times people just, they don't understand the effort that goes in the drawing. They don't understand the effort that goes in the building and somebody's selling them. There's been, a, unfortunately, a race to the bottom in architecture, design, and construction with these, you know, uh, one-off guys that I can do it. I can do it for half of the other guy. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people finding that out right now, right? Like, uh, there's a, there's a lot of builders that are just bouncing off of projects because they got caught with what we're experiencing with all the cost increases on materials and they're just leaving because they haven't been around the block. They, they haven't been up front. They failed to communicate. Um, probably a lot of designers and architects in similar situations, not just not having the experience and the fortitude to see what's going on in the marketplace and communicating with the team. Uh, you're, you're, what you said right there, too, is something I always constantly preach on on the show, too, is you get what you pay for. You really do. And it's in, you know, the, yes, unfortunately, there is a lot of race to the bottom. A lot of people that want, you know, to find the least expensive or cheapest option out there. I mean, I dealt with, I deal with it every single week about somebody calling me saying, well, how much are you a square foot? I'm only looking to spend this, this and this. <laughs> And my answer is we're custom. We don't really have a set. It just, it depends what you do, but there's a lot to our process too. But I can kind of get a read on somebody to where I don't waste their time or my time is, you know, if they're price driven, you're price driven. But unfortunately that's, 
not all the time, but most of the time, that's going to hurt you in the long run too, especially in the architecture phase, because when you're missing things and then the builder has to go in and add it later on, guess what? That is extra cost. And that builder is going to charge you a fee for that as well, especially after drywall, when you say or during the process too, structurally, all that kind of stuff, electrical, there's just so many things that can add up if it's missing you know, and and it's it's I deal with it. I get plans brought to me. I've had some bad plans brought to me, like really bad. And I don't even know where they got them. Or they had a friend that was an architect from up north and has an experience down in my area. And they're like, well, these these are great plans. And well, they worked electricals all over the place. I can't even read them. It's just, yeah. So that that is huge right there. Yeah, hey, it's a lot cheaper to pay somebody for their expertise in the design phase. And, and I'm including the builder in that. Like, you want to pay for the best team up front because mm-hmm. it's a lot cheaper to have that conversation with all the, you know, the great minds at the table and move it on paper. It costs nothing to move it on paper, but it costs a hell of a lot of money to move something out in the field, especially, you know, like you said, after drywall. Mm-hmm. Um, so planning... You get what you pay for, and you know you want the best team that you can afford right out of the gate. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's why I've kind of built what we have right now to where there's so many different help from people, and we go back and forth, and we all work together to make that plan perfect before we even start breaking ground. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff I'm honest with people too. You know, you want to add electrical. We can do that and we have a walkthrough, you know, during the electrical phase where you can add more stuff because you see reality. Because a lot of the time on the plan, you're not going to really see it until you can physically see the product that, that we, you know, and the ceilings and the walls, you know, the framed walls are up. So you can see spacing and how switches lay out. A lot of the time, I, you know, I don't go back. And just let, unless it makes sense, but I'm not, and I keep going back to electrical because it's such a big part. But you might want to add a switch somewhere. So I always tell people too, you know, you can always add stuff moving after the fact and after drywall is the most costly phase. That's why we do it during the framing part. So there's just so many, and that's working together in the communication aspect of it too. Because if somebody like you said as well, uh, is just they're cutting costs, they're doing the cheapest architect, they're doing the cheapest build costs, they're they're cutting more costs somewhere else and it's going to catch up. It always does. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what about, uh, let's say, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but what are the pros of and cons of using a custom design or an existing design versus starting from scratch? Is there any pros and cons to that? Yeah, I mean, custom design, you get what you want. You use an existing design. You could always modify it, but, you know, that that was designed for somebody else. Now, um, you know, there's a lot of great designs out there, right? You know, there's architects and builders have uh, figured out, you know, what people want in the marketplace. It always changes. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's just how custom do you want it? Are you okay settling for a certain floor plan that may not have everything that you want uh, as a, you know, opposed to having exactly what you want. Uh, so there's, there's a give and take there. 
What about like the detail though of plans too? And this was this was one we brushed on a little bit, but I want to go into this more. What should the client actually look for in a good full set of architectural plans so they know? Uh, so that's hard, like because if you're not trained, you don't know what you're looking at. But yeah. you should, you know, the list I would like to see, especially for a custom house uh, site plan, floor plan. Uh, floor plans, structural plans, interiors. So this is one that gets left out a lot yeah. um, is the interior. So interior elevations, selection of materials, um, finish schedule, door schedule, window schedule. You might not know what those things mean if you're not in the industry, but you should at least say, where are they? Do I see them? Um, electrical plans, uh, that's one that usually gets skimped on quite a bit. Yeah. Problems there, selection of light fixtures, um, mechanical plans. I mean, that's something that's hugely important, and I see tons and tons of times that they get left out. They leave it to the let's just let the HVAC contractor take care of it. And there's no thought of, well, where's this piece of ductwork running? So the ductwork gets put in because they're like, just let the mechanical guy take care of it. And then you have a soffit running through the middle of your living room and you're like, well, what the hell is that? Um, so you need to see from all the trades, right? Like uh, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, interiors. Um, you need to see fixture schedules, door schedules, door hardware, windows, uh, sections is a big one. Usually that's one where uh, architects and, and builders, you know, they, there's probably a, a difference of opinion there. Like I, th I think a good set of plans is going to have a bunch of sections. Uh, you see one or two. That's you know usually where things try to get skimmed on to save money, time, whatever. Um, but the sections help identify everything that's going on. Help the builder understand what's going on. Um, landscaping. You know if you're doing a custom house, who's your landscape architect? Is it part of the architecture team? Drainage, civil design, sometimes is incorporated with the um, landscape architect. But I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen projects built and nobody thinks about the site. You have a beautiful house and then it's like driveway grass. <laughs> it's like a beautiful house and you you left like, you know, all the, all the diamonds and jewels off this thing at the last minute. And with that would be the, um, just the civil design storm drainage all the water comes off the house and then your front yard flooded you know stuff like that that i think people don't think about again this is the hgtv world it's like hey I, I we get this house done we're gonna do the inside and put some paint on there and we're gonna get some uh, granite and you know whatever and then it's like it, you know the you're not thinking about this stuff when you're going to your house as a client because it's probably not in the middle of a downpour. So you move in and then you get, you know, uh, two inches of rain and your backyard's flooded. So I, I think there has to be, you know, that's, to me, that's something that, you know, you, you should want to see as a client. Yeah, having all that is so, so, so important, and especially bringing it to a builder too because it helps us firm up cost as well so if you're looking for cost and you want to know how much it's actually without complete estimates or set of estimates having yeah. those things is very important especially selections electrical i mean 
little thing, little detail, we always tell, uh, we for our truss design, we always say to space the trusses between the first and second floor enough so we can fit duct work between mm-hmm. without and have clean runs where, you know, it makes it easier on our AC guy. So mm-hmm. that's one thing yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's these little things and that's what, you know, like, oh, I, I don't need to pay for that. You know, and you don't. There, there's a lot of people that get away with cheap plans, and uh, they're like, "Let the builder take care of it." But that's yeah. when you don't get what you want, or uh, you get the well, we'll put an allowance in for the site work. I'm gonna just say it's 50 grand for site work. You get out there and you find out you have rock right where your storm drainage is supposed to go, and now 50 grand turned into 120. Yeah, so you start paying. You pay more in the long run, anyway. You're gonna pay for it one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, but that's that goes back to the details. Much detail up front, working with the right team is so important. I preach about this all the time on this show, and I'm sure there's listeners that take my advice, and some probably roll their eyes and still go with the cheaper option, which is fine. I mean, that's why I'm here. Is I'm just here to try and help and educate as much as possible on what you're doing today on the architecture end is huge because I deal with it so much going online and just buying a, um, a plan online. You know, I've seen that before too, where they, oh, yeah. just, they purchase the plans on the internet and then it's not complete. That's, that's something too. So. I've had tons of clients over the years come to me. I bought these plans. Can you stamp them? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> One, it's illegal that most people don't realize that. So if you're watching this, do not buy plans online. It's illegal for any architect or engineer just to stamp them. They're supposed to redraw them. And two, those plans are not well thought out at all whatsoever. I've seen people find somebody that will stamp them and start to build them. And then in the middle of construction, they're like, I got a problem. This house doesn't go together. Like literally does not work. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're getting plans off the internet for $500, that should be an immediate red flag. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen my architect, one of his plans, I've seen the actual front elevation pop up here and there. I actually told him about it, but I've seen, I've had people over the years, you know, they brought me that plan i'm like oh my architect did that they go oh we found it on pinterest i'm like how the hell's it get on pinterest you know (laughs) but it's just it's crazy how much things are shared and so on and looks and elevations and nothing wrong with finding an elevation but actually purchasing a full set of plans and especially because everything is different in different areas like here Mm -hmm. you know uh, where anything on water is requiring piling so you're not going to have the structural piling plan more than likely and you're going to go and have to pay for that and that architect's gonna have to redraw everything everything yep absolutely so what about time frames we brushed on this but i want to go deeper into this what's average time frame are you seeing residential even commercial end of stuff like how how long can somebody expect before getting a full set done yeah you know uh, custom set of plans for a you know a, a good house, somebody is doing a good job. Probably going to take you six months. I, okay. I would I would a lot six months. It, it could be a little less. Depends on what you're going for, but I think in your mind you should prepare yourself for six months. Um, again, there's a lot of back and forth. I've I'm currently working on some projects, big you know big big buildings where the design process can take over a year. Um, 
different building type, a lot, a lot of back and forth with community groups and user groups and things like that. So it's a lot more complicated, but yeah, you know, I think you could probably do it in a little less time, but I had four to six months, you know, do you have zoning approvals and planning board approvals that adds time. So I'm, I'm lumping that in there too. Building department is part of that sometimes. So uh, four to six months, you know, four months of everything's clean and simple, but I would, I would allot six months. On the residential side, I'm kind of seeing three to four, four top. I mean, by the time you get the structurals done, all that and the back and forth, probably about three on average is what I see, but that's not including, you know, trust plans, all that. Cause we actually yeah. send, I had to break that bad news to a guy today. He's like, well, once the engineering's done, you know, we're good. We can go in for permit. I go, eh, we got to get trust drawings done too. Cause our trust guy actually takes those engineer plans, even though the engineer draws out trusses, they're not the trust manufacturer. The trust manufacturer does it a different way usually that works better. So then they got to redraw and have their own set of trust plans, which is what we go off of in order. So, you know, that adds time too. And like we all know, all the trust companies and everybody, anything that involves lumber is backed up right now. So that's taking eight weeks right there. That's what I yeah. told him. He goes, you got to be shitting me. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's definitely a different market right now for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one last thing before I get into some personal questions, but obviously this one's huge too. We touched on this, but average cost, uh, for a set of residential plans or I mean, commercials, obviously probably going to be more, take some more time, bigger building. What do you, what do you think cost wise on average? Yeah. For a custom house, um, you know, I think you should be prepared to do eight to 12% of the construction costs. Okay. Um, again, that depends on, are you getting all those interior elevations? Are you getting all the sections you needed? Is yeah. there a civil engineer involved on the site? So, uh, you know, you get more consultants involved for the things like landscaping and whatnot is going to be on the higher end, but I would say eight to 12%. To me, if you're doing less than 8%, that should be a red flag that you're probably getting screwed by the architect so when all the architects out there charge more and do a good job um <laughs> stop cutting corners uh, yeah anybody yeah it's like you said too and i i use us as an example so people know uh, on average for architecture engineering that's probably about right and then if you do go to let's say the design drawings as far as detailed design that's part of my decorator's process, which he charges, you know, for furnishing all that kind of stuff. That's a separate fee as well. Yeah. And then trust drawings obviously are part of my trust proposal and it's, it's broken down differently everywhere. And, uh, it's just kind of having that knowledge, like you talked about at the beginning of knowing your area, knowing what, how builders work, knowing the right architects, talking to about three or four of them, Kind of just getting ideas, getting as much information as possible. That's the important part. And that's why yeah. you're here today. So, you know, that that's in let's what about trends? What are you seeing in trends in architecture? What's the most you know, what what are where are you going as far as your design? I see, I see a lot of requests, simple, durable, uh, 
you know, things have gotten less complicated, less yeah. ornate. Um, they're, they're very streamlined and clean. Um, I, I think that's a function of, just, you know, this aesthetic that's popular right now, but also I think, you know, things that are ornate cost a lot of money too. So I think that's, you know, kind of just the, the way society tries to, uh, simplify things and keep costs down. But, um, you see a lot of very streamlined stuff now. Yeah, I agree. A lot of, a lot of, we're kind of leaning more modern as we kind of go a little more, more and more. It's, not hospital style house, you know, house modern, yeah. but you're, you still got some modern with some detail on the fronts and elevations still pop and so on too. So it's pretty cool to see. I'm, I'm big on different. I love different designs. I don't like doing the same thing. You know, I like working yeah. with people that are unique and want something to stand out too. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm sure you do as well. Let's get into some personal questions. I mean, we, you, uh, you, we've hit a ton of stuff today. Uh, me, me, you and I can literally talk architecture for mm-hmm. a while, but half the stuff, a lot of the listener probably wouldn't understand on there. Yeah, sure. You know, it's just, there's a lot of technical to it and so on, but uh, let's go to you personally a little bit. And if anybody has architecture questions, they can always reach out to you and we'll, we'll highlight kind of where they can find you at the end here. But I asked this question to everybody. It's, it's huge. I love this question. It's probably my favorite one on this show. What lessons have you learned throughout your journey that we should all apply to our own business or our own lives that can help us grow? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, uh, you know, everybody's journey is a little different. Me personally, I think, uh, you know, just the way I was raised and the things I went through, I, I didn't have a lot of guidance. Um, so for me, it was probably different than most people, but just having perseverance, uh, sticking with something, focus, focus and perseverance and block out the noise. Like there's, there's a lot of, um, I guess I'll call them haters for the lack of a better term, but like just people that, you know, it's very easy to get into listening to the crowd around you and, you know, water is going to seek its own level, right? You don't want to seek the level of everybody else around you. You want to be around people that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable in a good way. And, um, you know, early on, I didn't, I didn't have guidance. I didn't have a mentor. Um, I didn't have, uh, you know, my dad, unfortunately, left our family early on. So, like, all those sorts of things I had to learn the hard way. So, like, the first half of my career, like, I, I was just the idiot that tried everything <laughs> a little bit, a lot, um, just to figure it out because I didn't know. And it didn't click with me. Oh, my gosh, maybe I should get some guidance here, get a mentor, figure out what's going on. Um, so, I think, you know, I lacked focus. I lacked some perseverance. I listened uh, to other people's opinions too much. And I think that has gotten worse in the world we live in today with social media. So I, to me, it, you know, that would be the advice if I could go back and give myself, you know, 15, 20 years ago is just head down, work hard, don't listen to. Unless somebody's trying to give you positive advice, just block it out. I love that. I, I, same thing. And I talk about that all the time too on actual shows I've been on and yours as well is just, and I was honored to be on your show as well. Yeah. So everybody go check that out. We'll do a <laughs> shout out that at the end. But, uh, 
No, I mean, it's, it's everybody gets so caught up in everybody else's opinions, especially with social media, because you're constantly scrolling through and you're just seeing good, good, good. And why, why aren't I like that? Or why can't I live up to that? And so on. And when you get past that and that it doesn't really matter and people actually want to see what you do and you just post stuff and you just kind of like with me, I don't, I don't really like my Facebook, I just post stuff to it. LinkedIn, same thing. I never, you know, I'll comment on stuff like my whole Instagram and Facebook now is all people part of that group. I'm in on Arte syndicate all, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's just, and that actually helps me, makes me want to level up, but finding mentors that'll push you and getting surrounding yourself around good people and people that are doing big things and that cheer you on too. Like I had a conversation with a guy today. He's like, the first thing he asked me, he's like, Oh, I see you killing it, man. How's things going? How's business? You know, let's, let's talk about that and you, and I'm here for you. I'm cheering you on, man. I love what you do. You know, that right there, like getting around those people. Cause I had friends that would never say stuff like that, you know, would yeah. never, they'd be like, Oh, it must be nice. You know? And they're still saying that to this day. Yeah. yeah and you gotta, you deal with that constantly. And once you get past all that and you find a good circle, you find good people that are just as motivated as you, it changes everything. And unfortunately, that circle is probably going to be smaller than most of us. Oh, think. yeah. Yeah. You know, um, unfortunately. I mean, that's really the whole antidote one. My other business, that mm-hmm. you know, shameless plug here right now, but training platform that I created was really for that because I, it's everything I didn't have uh, in my professional world, in my business world. Just going through my career, it was all the, the things that I was, that I needed in terms of how, how to, how to, show up how to deal with haters how to stay focused how to be a leader like all those things and it really kind of came out of one of a frustration for for me now on the other side i'm a i'm a business owner and i have people that work with me and i'm like man i didn't have this stuff and here it is 20 years later and i see them struggling in their career and their business and their life because they don't have it either so it was just like, this is stupid. Like we're so focused on, you know, other people's opinions. We're so focused on what we learned in college or high school. And these aren't the things that, while some of those things are important, they're not applicable to, you know, today's world. They're not applicable to career. They're not applicable to advancement. And 90% of everything else you have thrown at you is not helping you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is so many people just assume people's opinions all the time as well and when you get past that and get away from that and and caring in general it just life changes big time man yeah Yeah. you you gotta you know i we we all probably have done this i know i have you're like oh yeah you listen to your buddy right and buddy says something like okay because it's easy it's free advice so it's probably again you get what you pay for sticking with that theme here but um (laughs) You know, like, you got to be careful who you get advice from. If I, for the longest time, never paid attention to who I got advice from. And I was finally like, maybe I should start taking advice from or listening to people that have what I want instead of listening to everybody. That was a big thing for me. Like, I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm listening to this guy, my neighbor, that guy, my buddy. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. 
none of these people that want to tell me what to do in my life have anything that I want. They don't have the family I want. They don't have the car I want, the house I want, the lifestyle I want. But yet I'm listening to them. And, and that was it's hard because you have to, again, you're, sometimes you're blocking out family members or other people that are close to you. And it is, if, if, you're, uh, if you're somebody who has a lot of drive and vision, it's, it's hard. you got to find the right circle. I 100% agree with you, man. I can, we can go on and on about that too. So it's, it's so spot on. Let's talk about, I always ask this question too, to keep moving because of time. Uh, sure. Most people ask about your past, obviously never about your future. So where will we see Chris Colby in 10, 15 years? Who will he be? Um, wow. Uh, you know, really, I'm I'm focused at this point. I got you know, I have my career. Um, architecture is always going to be there for me. I'm I'm definitely thinking you know longer term. Uh, Want to push back into development and real estate. I, I've always loved designing stuff for myself, especially on the apartment building side and doing development because I'm a creative mind. I can be my own client. So you're going to see a lot of that from me. Um, training programs and the antidote one stuff's going to continue to build. I love helping other people. So that coaching and mentoring program will definitely grow. Um, it'll probably be focused on the architecture construction industry because I just I have a passion for helping people in that space to avoid all the problems that I, that I was in. But yeah, you're definitely going to see uh, for me more, more of that and, and definitely a, um, a brand of, uh, a, re- a real estate empire that's my brand, uh, my my brand personally, but also from an architecture point of view. Love it. Love it. I have no doubt about it for sure. So, and what this show is all about, last but not least, what exactly do people need to look for in their next architect and why should they choose Chris Colby as their architect of choice? Uh, so... I think you need to find somebody you can work with, right? Um, You can find anybody that can design a great, you know, there's a lot of great architects out there. You got to find somebody that gels with you personally. I I, I mean, I think you should almost go into it being like, yeah, you can be my architect, but if we can come out friends on the back end, then then you probably found the right person. Um, I have a lot of clients like that, you know, some of them 20 years now. and why should you hire me as an architect? I, you know, I don't know. That's a that's a hard question. <laughs> uh, probably because I'm a reasonable guy. You know, I'm a direct. I'm direct. I'm honest. Uh, I might not always tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And I think it's it's better to be honest with somebody than to to lie to them about something that's going to blow up in everybody's face later on. Um, and for me, on the school side. I'm just truly passionate about designing schools. Uh, my upbringing, I hated schools, and you know, I want to make a difference in that space for for students today. And uh, so, for me, it's a it's a passion thing. It's a, it's a very big theme in this show, and a lot of people with that hiring question, they kind of have the same thing. And and I highly agree with it too. Is just honesty, being upfront with your clients, being honest, and constantly communicating with them, and just 
you know, showing them to, that's what this show is all about showing these people what to look for in, in this business and in this industry. Cause there's not a lot of information out there. And a lot of people go into one of the biggest financial decisions of their life blind, you know, yeah. and that's, that's why I was so excited to have you on today. I mean, you covered a ton of stuff within a short period of time. Yeah. No, thanks for having me on. I, this was awesome. Yeah, I, no, I appreciate your time too. Last thing, real quick, just where can people find and connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn under Chris, Col- uh, probably Christopher Colby. Um, my uh, uh, Instagram, the Chris Colby, and Facebook is Chris Colby. So those are the, the social media outlets. You can DM me there. Uh, you can find more about um, my architecture firm if you're looking for a school architect. Uh, that's cplteam.com. And if you're in the AEC industry and looking for training, uh, it's training.antidote1.com. Yeah, and then the podcast too? Podcast, yeah, that's all uh, on YouTube under my name. Forgot about that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, shout out uh, to yeah, that. So, uh, yeah, the podcast Antidote One podcast is on Stitcher, uh, Apple, Spotify, and also YouTube under uh, Christopher L. Colby on my YouTube channel. Yeah, Chris, you're doing awesome things, man. You're doing big things with Antidote One too, and your podcast was awesome. I had the privilege of being on it, so. Very excited to return the favor today. I know me and you've been trying to schedule this out too. So I was excited to have you here and talk, talk about what you do best. I mean, like I said, you covered a lot within a short period of time. I know there's a lot to this. So everybody definitely go shout out to Chris, go check him out if you have questions too, because it's, it's a huge topic and there's so much to it. And, you know, we can talk hours, like I said, and cover all these little pieces of it and diagnose that. But that's where you come in. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I appreciate your time today, brother. I really do. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate being on here. Love it. For sure. And and everybody that's listening, I don't ask for anything. I do not advertise. All I ask is that you share this. So I do ask for one thing, you share it and obviously you go on and you rate and review it too. All you got to do is take two seconds to write. The show is awesome and five stars are only accepted as you guys know. So with that being said, thank you all for listening today and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of The Real Build. I am your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. And guys, all I ask for is if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to subscribe below and also spread the word. Tell your friends and family to come join us. And also, if you want to join the discussion, please comment below. I'd love to hear about your experiences with these industries and discuss them on further episodes as well. Uh, If you're involved in any of these industries, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to feature you on a future episode and discuss what you do further. And, you know, it's all about spreading the word, guys. That's what this is all about. You know, it's a big topic. It's a big investment for everybody. And we want as much value and information out there as we possibly can. So with that being said, thank you guys so much. And I'll see you on the next episode.